This podcast is not meant to be informative or educational and has the potential to be completely irrelevant. This is Property Jam. Hello. And welcome to this week's episode of Property Jam, where we talk about everything to do with the human side of property. And this week, we don't just have one guest, we've got two. (laughs) We've got a power couple with us this morning. Uh, So we've got Sarah and Rob joining us. So welcome both. Uh, Thank you for joining us on the Property Jam podcast today. Uh, So I'm just going to hand straight over to you guys, let you tell us who you are, what you're all about, and how you ended up on Property Jam. Hey guys, well thank you very much for having us on first of all. Um, so yeah, Sarah and Rob from May Green Investments. Uh, we specialize in uh, HMOs. Uh, some of people may know us from Instagram. We do quite a lot on social media and that's been kind of our, a real focus on you know, the marketing side of what we do. Um, we started the business back in 2016 now. So Sarah and I have different backgrounds. We're obviously you know, together as a couple. So we decided, actually, we, we work quite well together. Um, Sarah's got a long career in, in finance and I've got a long career in design, um, two skills which obviously are quite um, useful when it comes to, to building a property portfolio. So, yeah, we started the business back in 2016. Um, we were based in London at the time, um, looked at trying to purchase property closer to where we were but realized that the property market near London was just too expensive for us with the money that we actually had to invest. So we decided to drive all the way up to Manchester and uh, we, we, we started building our portfolio up there. So yeah, we've had lots of different things along the way, obviously building a portfolio remotely a long way away from where we live has been a huge challenge. Um, so managing teams up there, that kind of thing has been, been something that we've learned. Um, yeah, we built the portfolio up to, we've got 41 letable units now, I think, over the whole portfolio. So that works out about, we've got seven HMOs. So yeah, we've, um, we've, we've very much focused on design um, and tenant experience. We want, obviously, our tenants to have the best possible experience in our properties. So yeah, that's, that's, that's us, I suppose, in a bit of a nutshell. I've got and a question. Ha- My first question. I have to, <laughs> I have to ask. <laughs> Because I think you are the first, I love your term, Niall, power couple that we've had. <laughs> yeah, we're your first double act. I think you are. Is that right? Am oh I right? Oh, my God, I'd love it. Uh, I don't think we've had a couple on before. This is new because there's five. Yeah. On our Zoom screen, there's, there's five windows. That's weird. It's, it's very disconcerting, actually, having that, that extra window. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you've thrown us off. But the question I've For the people that are listening that obviously can't see this. No. Sarah and I are in two separate places, which isn't. Yeah, yeah that's um, Rob's isolating because of coronavirus. I'm, I'm isolating at the moment, so uh, so yeah, I'm away from Sarah. So yeah, that's the reason for five. Although at any other time it might be odd, but I think now it's actually not considered that odd at all to be separated or isolating or. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. the world's gone. We've had enough of each other during coronavirus, so now we just <laughs> we live and work in separate places. What Joe, makes what, marriage work? Yeah, exactly. What's your question, Joe? Oh, so my question was, okay, Rob said that you naturally work well together. Yeah. Is that true? I mean, really, is that true? Let's talk about the human side of property. Right, yeah, so let's, let's, let's be real for, 
for ourselves and for the listeners. So <laughs> I think if we're being honest, like initially when we started the business, it was a mess. Like we would try and do all the same things. We'd get in big rows because we were like stepping on each other's toes. And like, I think probably what we didn't do initially was say, okay, what are your strengths and what are your weaknesses? We just jumped into it. And we're like, yeah, we, we love design. We love property. Let's do it together. Let's start a business. And then, yeah, after having probably one too many rounds, we, we thought, okay, actually, let's take a step back and work out where our strengths lie and where um, what we can each bring to the business. And I think Rob touched on a little bit um, in terms of our, our past lives or past careers. I mean, I was in finance. I was in investment banking, um, you know, pretty dull career, but um, it taught me a lot about project management and dealing with solicitors and lawyers and all the contractual side of properties and also obviously the numbers. Um, you know, I love working on all the deal analysis and Rob, he has a very creative background. He had his own furniture design business um, and has always worked in, in design and sort of a property, but from the design point of view. And so he brought that to the business. I mean, so we now have very established roles and we try very much to stay in our own lane because we know when we don't, it's just, it's bad for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so familiar. (laughs) Yeah, I think you just described um, Scott Baker Properties there. in the the Because you know Matt and Nile are actually married. Like that's that's kind of how it feels. (laughs) I think, I think we need to re-describe ourselves as a power couple, Niall. Yeah, um, yeah, I love it. But that's the, the, yeah, very similar trajectory of Scott Baker Properties. Um, yeah. But then I think it, you could say that it's the same for any business partnership, especially when you start out as, as friends. Uh, you decided that, yes, you can get on, you can, you can work together. Um, and then you start working together. And then, yeah, we were definitely doubling up on time, effort, everything. And um, the whole idea is to be able to divide and conquer. Um, and it's a it's it's a conversation we probably have every, you know at least once a month just as a to remind ourselves you know which lane we're supposed to be in. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I think one of the biggest challenges for us as a married couple is not to just be talking about property. That was my question. Yes. Yeah. You know, and it, it, it you do a lot of the time we will say to each other we'll be on a walk somewhere and we'll just be talking about property and we're like Let, let's just change the conversation and we'll talk about something else, family, friends, whatever. Yeah. where we might go on holiday in 10 years' time after coronavirus or whatever. And, um, yeah, it always ends up steering back to property. This is, a, this is an interesting topic <laughs> for me as well because uh, yeah, um, I work with Lara, who does our um, marketing, and constantly the conversation will generally steer back to towards the business. So what are the number one topics to force yourself not to talk about property? You know, what, what sparks that conversation? So I think for us at the moment, it's, it's, we talk a lot about, so because Sarah's in Australia, Sarah's from Australia, yeah. um, we're a long way away really? from that. <laughs> yeah. so, Your accent did not give that away, Sarah, at all, at all. <laughs> yeah, she, she's been assimilated into the UK culture so easily. I mean, to be honest, we go back to Australia and everyone thinks that she's turned English. Cause her, her I get accent. so much grief from all my friends when I go home. My mum's the same. My mum's a Kiwi. So when she goes home, they're all like, oh, why are you talking so posh? You know, yeah. what's, this, what's this accent you've that. got? Yeah, You've changed. <laughs> you've changed. Yeah. Yeah. They, all, they all take the piss because of the way I say property. They're like, property? How many properties do you have? <laughs> property? Property? <laughs> property? Yeah. There's two properties. How many properties? <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> 
um, sorry, Matt. Yeah, how do we? Yeah, so I think get... the topic I was. I mean, we obviously, you know, we talk about family and friends and things like that. That's a, that's a, a big topic. You know, what's going on? Well, as as a as a fellow um, new parent, uh, that you know, the uh, how to look after a child obviously comes up in the conversation quite a lot. Well, for us yeah. anyway, yeah. a little bit behind you guys, on. but hmm. yeah. that's like the other day we were on a walk and just the two of us. Rob's mum was was looking after Willow, and it is quite strange after you have a baby when you kind of you just go out or you do something just the two of us, or even just on your own. And so we went out and within a couple of minutes, we were already talking. It was like a business meeting. And we were like, no, we have to stop. We have to stop this. And we're like, okay, let's talk about Willow. What did Willow do yesterday? And then, and then Willow is now our why. So it kind of circles back to property again. And then within like five minutes, we were like, well, it would be amazing when we move to Australia. Then how are we going to do that? What are our goals? Are we working on them right here? Anyway, so it's basically just a loop. You know, we try and get out of the property loop, but we just end up back in there. <laughs> I think at the, end of, at the end of it, you just have to accept it and yep. and not have an issue with it. And we're both, Sarah and I, are both really passionate about property. Mm-hmm. So, and we're passionate about the way we're developing our business. So, you know, it's not we don't have a huge issue in. Doesn't feel like that work. Conversation coming up all the yeah. time. So. so on that on that thread, then on the property thread. What does the human side of property look like to you guys? Yeah, so we we actually spoke about this a little bit yesterday because we aren't in the same household. Um, and we try to try to agree and answer before you yeah. come on. <laughs> very very diplomatic of you. Yeah, and um, for us, I think there's really there's sort of three facets to it. And I mean, how long do we have? It's probably each one is an episode in itself. But I think you've got the impact of property on us as people. Um, So, you know, that is the reason why we are in property. We touched on it just briefly. Um, You know, our why now is, is Willow and providing her with all the opportunities in life that she wants. But also for us as humans, our why for being in property is because we want to gain more time. We want to gain more freedom. We want to, really have that the choice to live life on our terms now that might not be sitting on a beach and sipping a pina colada I don't think Rob and I will ever be able to do that for an extended period of time because we're just you know we like to be busy and active and keep our minds moving um, but that might mean being able to move to Australia and live there for 10 months of the year and come back to the UK to you know dip into our property business um, And for us, I mean, we mentioned that we run a business together. So we are a team. um, So that is very much the human side for us. Um, We're smashing big goals together as a couple. And that's, that really has, you know, it is tough and it is hard, but it has made us stronger as life partners, um, as well as business partners, which is, which is a huge strength to our business. Um, So that was the first, the first side of it. Yeah. Rob, do you want to jump in? Yeah, so I think that the second part is obviously the, the relationships that you need when you're running a business because, I mean, in any business, I think the strength of your relationships always dic- tend to dictate the success of the business, but I think it's particularly prevalent in property. Mm. So, you know, we're all human beings and you know, we all react different ways to different circumstances and we need different 
people around us in order for our business to grow. You know, so whether that's a really great and for us because we invest so far away, it's actually really important for us to have a, a really strong team on the ground. So our relationship with our builder is really strong. Our relationship with other tradespeople that we have outside of that that are working for us, we've just been um, styling an eight-bedroom HMO pretty much completely remotely over the last two weeks, which is the first time we've ever done that. Um, normally with an HMO, we would go up there, we would be in there for two weeks. You know, this is where the art goes, this is where the you know, other bits and pieces go. Um, but we've done it all completely remotely and that's that we've had to really rely on the strength of the person that's, that's implementing that for us. So our relationship with that person, we've been getting them to go and do multiple IKEA runs, okay, which at the moment no one wants to do. So having a good relationship with that person, you know, obviously we're paying them and you know, they're, they're getting paid, but at the same time, you know, the fact that we know that they are enjoying going and do going and working for us is, is really important. And then obviously you've got the other people that are really important, you know, your investors, the, the relationships that you have with your investors. Um, I spent probably half a day with a JV partner on this project. I went up there last week and we are, are building a relationship. Oh, sorry, we're building a portfolio with this JV partner and we've got such a good relationship with them. Now I actually see this person as like a, a friend as well as being a JV partner. Um, and we were chatting in the property and they're talking about the fact that they have a five-year plan and their five-year plan is to scale down on work and they want to spend time sailing around the world. And all of that is as a result of the JV partnership that we've got together because you know, we're building this portfolio together as we both create passive income from it. You know, we both benefit. So I think, you know, as, as Sarah said, obviously we, the initial part is, is building a property portfolio has, has given us a lot of options, but actually, you know, with our JV partners, it's, it's doing the same. And then making sure you have those good relationships with you know, builders, letting agents, um, you know, managing tenants, all of those kinds of things. Yeah, it's and all human, the, isn't it? It's all human, all of that. Yeah, so, I mean, we're all, it, again, with the investor side, just going back to that, um, it doesn't matter how good your deal is. It really doesn't. You know, it's, sorry, that's, I shouldn't have said that, rewind that. It is I can really see important. Sarah's finance buttons, like her little antennae was just like, going off. Uh, it does matter. I phrased that the wrong way. What I meant was, um, you know, you can have the best deal in the world that stacks up extremely well. If you can't build that good relationship with that other human being, you know, they're not going to invest in you because it's everyone, it's all to do with trust, isn't it? As you guys would know, like the most important thing with any investor, a JV partnership relationship is, is trust. So that, you know, that human emotion is, is so important. Um, and so building up that, that trust between your, your investors and your JV partners is so key. Because I guess if, if that deal went swimmingly well and, and numbers were fantastic, but the relationship was strange, you didn't get on on a personal level, is that investor going to come back and do another deal with you? Probably not. Or, or, or the other way, the other side of it is, are you going to want to do another project with that investor? Um, mm -hmm. Because, you know, I think, and I think this goes not just for investors, but for anyone in your team, you know, yes, they have to be experienced and they have to 
have the same values of, as you and to some extent work ethic, but, you know, it, it really just comes down to the strength of that relationship on a personal level because, you know, we're speaking to these people day in and day out. I mean, Rob mentioned that we've had people helping us at the weekend um, style our property. I mean, it was originally our cleaner. She's now our cleaner, handywoman, stylist, everything. And she's so passionate about working hard for us because she likes us, we like her, we work well together and she's helping us achieve our vision together. And I think, you know, you can't have a successful property business without the strength of of those relationships. And somebody to spend time in Ikea for you. I mean, that is a big deal because we all know when you... So I, remember, I never forget, I was doing a project and me and my interior architect, we sat in an Ikea basket. She was in Lincoln and I was in London and we were both in this basket together and we were there for three and a half hours in this basket, looking at stuff, going through each room in this HMO and going, right, have we got this? Have we got that? Have we got the pegboards? Have we got the pillows? Have we got the this? And then, then she had to actually go into Ikea as well and just double check anything because some of it we couldn't actually get a gauge of it from the basket from the online so she had to go to nottingham and actually physically spend and she said she was in there for four hours because once you go into ikea that's it you're gone you're lost (laughs) it is a trap isn't it and then then there's meatballs and there's 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 horse meatballs and you know we all know what happens there The rabbit warren so. I mean, you can't i think the quickest time we've got in and out of ikea is an hour wow go in also ikea is like the one place that rob and i will, will it will be guaranteed that we will have an argument at some point <laughs> at some point yes. during the during the ikea journey <laughs> so, uh, and i have a completely different approach to ikea so mine is you know, it's called IKEA strategy. This is great. <laughs> and, and actually, now I've, I've been to IKEA so many times now. I know, I know, I could go into a new IKEA that I've never been in before, and I could find, I would know where all the little shortcuts are to get me from the beginning to the end as quickly as possible by, <laughs> by just picking up the things that I need. And so that's that's always my approach in IKEA. It's like get in there, get out as quickly as possible, just get the things you need. Whereas Sarah's is like that. We're at IKEA. So we have this opportunity to look at more things. <laughs> I'm, with, I'm with Sarah. I, I'll, I'll, I'll go shopping with you, Sarah. That's fine. <laughs> Thank you. No, I mean, yeah. the inspiration. That's, that's like, fine. I'm, I'm, I'm with you, Rob. Yeah. I, I'm very much going the back door, you know, the exit. Yeah. And, and then through the, through the marketplace. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you're one of those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because then you can, most of the stuff you need is in the marketplace at the, at the, at the end. So That's all right. there's the knickknacks because all, everything else is just furniture, which you have to pick up at the end anyway. So also, if you go that way, though, it always feels like you're a salmon swimming upstream. Yeah. Because you know, everyone, like you're going the opposite direction to the way everyone else is coming. So you're yeah. just dodging trolleys. You get evil looks from people. <laughs> Yeah, people just get, and if you've got a trolley, it will look from people like you and I, and no. Pretty much, yes. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yes, as Sarah says, that's because we've got two very different approaches to IKEA, and all we end up with them um, around. You need an IKEA strategy, though, I guess, if you're I if you're serious about this. And now you've got you've delegated the responsibility. This needs to be something I think you know any any property trainers out there need to put an IKEA module into what yes. they're doing and how you can navigate yourself around there. Yeah. Yeah. For our most recent refurbishment or the, when we were dressing the property, we had about 10 different IKEA deliveries 
plus yeah. a trip or two to Ikea as well. It just was never ending. Yeah. They always make you do a trip because there's always the one product that you can't get delivered. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They always yeah. get you in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is frustrating because <laughs> you go through those three and a half hours in the Ikea basket and you go to the checkout and then you check out and it says, we cannot deliver this, this and this. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, we've all been there. <laughs> all been there. Uh, but I think the the, yeah, the the reconciliation strategy in IKEA is the meatballs. I think um, everything should be then resolved over a plate of meatballs. Mm. Um, Your marriage and, can heal. You know, everything can heal. And, 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 and Loganberry jam. Yeah. Do they have um? Do they have vegan meatballs? Because I think we haven't been to IKEA since we've been vegan. So you know that might cause a bit of a an argument in itself with the IKEA oh. stuff. I was in IKEA recently and they didn't even have the uh, restaurant bit open, so I, I didn't get to see if they do the vegan meatballs or not. Lara uh, is vegan, so we, we did manage to get something. There was, um, <coughs> I don't think it's vegan meatballs, that they, they have a vegan option for sure. Brilliant. Fantastic. Yeah. We can solve the world's problems with, with vegan meatballs at IKEA. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Done. So, so we did have a third point, I suppose, to, to your question. Um, what, what, and that is that? The, well, the human side of property. <laughs> I've forgotten. Oh, yeah, I, I remember now. Yeah, I remember now. Yeah, cool. <laughs> Circling back to that. Yeah. So uh, the third point really was what effect our business is having on others. You know, what, what, how are we benefiting other people, really? Um, so or the impacts that our business is having on other people's lives. Uh, so we, we have two different type of tenant profile. Um, for our HMOs, and this has changed recently, and part of it was some of it to do with the impact of COVID. But all of our properties were professional HMOs um, leading up to COVID. And then during COVID, we had an opportunity that came to us. Uh, and I think, again, this is partly to do with the strength of our brand and also, again, circling back into relationships because it came from someone that I'd built a relationship with during the, the, the build-up of, of, of our portfolio. Um, and so that was a supported living um, registered provider that wanted to take over one of our properties on a 10-year lease. And it wasn't something that we necessarily went looking for. It very much came to us. But um, going through the process of, of negotiating that lease and working with that registered provider um, has really made us realise that actually we can, we can have a huge benefit on people's lives by um, giving vulnerable people and people that have had very troubled backgrounds a really great place to live. Um, and, you know, it's with, the, with the professional side, we're always looking to deliver the best quality product, the best experience to the tenants so that they get something they wouldn't necessarily get elsewhere. But um, it's even more prevalent with these particular tenants. So the tenants that are in one of the properties that we've, we've switched over, they're care leavers. So... They've, had, they, they've come through the foster care system. Um, they're between 16 and 18 years old. After you get to 16 years old, that foster care isn't available to you. So um, these young adults have a two-year period where there's um, a staff member in there helping them with their development before they're sort of out on their own, getting their own tenancies and whatnot. So, um, and I, I think for Sarah and I, what we've really become passionate about is trying to deliver more than just hospital grades, super durable, but not particularly inspiring properties to, to these types of people. Um, 
And what we're finding from the feedback that we're getting from the registered provider is they love it because you know, they're able to give or make these young adults feel worthy. You know, so all the, the, the impacts that has on, on mental health and mental well-being, uh, particularly for these, these youngsters that have had trouble backgrounds. So, so yeah, so that's, that's kind of like the third part to it really is like what, what I suppose, what benefit are we offering? What legacy are we going to leave? you know, long-term and, and what impacts are we going to have on, on other people's lives? Oh, good on you. That's amazing. I think that's so yeah. fantastic. And I have to say, I, I mean, I'd quite like to talk to you guys separately as this is something that is very much holding my attention at the moment, this assisted living, supported mm. living. Um, it's very close to my heart. I have a disabled brother. And so care management plans and making sure that vulnerable people have a safe, high quality, like you say, not just yeah. a clinical space where it's just almost like non-human. Uh, yeah. You know, making a space where they are comfortable and they feel safe and they feel valued is is really interesting. And how long are those tenants? I mean, like, do they stay for an extended period of time or do they? Yes, yeah. Go on, Sarah. I think it's anywhere. I mean, they have individual programs. So every um, young adult that goes into one of these houses has their own specific program that is based on their background, their education level, whether they're at college or work. Um, and it's really about how quickly they pro progress through that development. So um, it can be anywhere from six months up to the maximum, I think is about two years because they are 16 to 18. And then this um, registered provider that we work with has different tiers for different care leavers. So they basically tier one is what we're providing, which is where there's um, a member of staff in the house 24 seven um, and it's very hands-on and they're, they're teaching them all about independent living, but they manage all of the ASTs, the rent payments, everything like that. And then when they, once they progress to a certain level, then they go up, they get moved into a tier two house, which is a little bit more independent. It may be, you know, a studio where there's still a, mem a member of staff on site, but not living in the house with them. Right. And then it goes up to tier three, which is, you know, independent living where they're, they are managing their own ASTs, they're paying their own rent, um, but there is still um, support there if they need, if and when they need it. Amazing. So it can be right up to, you know, when they're 23, they can still be within one of these houses, um, but they may have started out at the age of 16. Good wow. on you. That's very impressive. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's such a nice, it's such a nice feeling to be able to, I mean, for us, we've said it just previously is design has always been the top of our priority list, really providing inspired spaces that make people feel you know, fall in love with our homes essentially and then they become their homes where they they feel inspired and they love living there. And to be able to provide that type of quality home to these tenants that have had such a rough start at life that's no fault of their own. And if we can have some impact on improving how their well-being is and how they progress to independent living um, and how basic the, the, the rest of their lives are, that is you know, that is a huge thing. And in some ways we feel quite privileged that we have had this opportunity. And, and that is why now Rob and I feel really passionate about um, raising the quality of accommodation in that sector, particularly, because I think a lot of people, especially people that are sort of starting to do training in this sector as a, as a property strategy, are saying things like, you know, you just need the basic, really durable, cheapest thing out there. It's so good because you don't have to spend that much money on the yeah. refurb. And we're completely flipping that on its head. I mean, good. these tenants, of all the tenant profiles, they need 
quality homes where they feel worthy of living and they feel valued so that they have the greatest chance of success of improving their life. Oh, amen to that. Yeah, good on you. No, it's, 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 you're creating a legacy as well. You're, you're, you're trailblazing and you're also creating a legacy because, you know, what a great example as parents you're going to be setting to Willow um, because this is something that you've, um, you know, built into your, your, almost like your wealth creation strategy, but a giving back strategy as well. It's lovely. It's really nice. Um, on completely human note, if you can hear banging and crashing in the background, full disclosure, there's a loft conversion going on upstairs in the flat above me. And earlier on, before we started recording listeners I went out and said to the builders do you mind just keeping the noise down and of course I can actually see them outside with sledgehammers like smashing up bricks probably deliberately they've done exactly the opposite on a Monday morning totally that's the human side of property is like builders going yeah fuck you I'm gonna do what I want to do <laughs> <laughs> so uh, if I mute in and out you know why because it's gone sledgehammer crazy outside but listen yeah, do you guys have a question for us I'm, 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 Sarah's built this up massively she said it's a good one so boys brace yourself yep I'm ready. I, ho- I hope you like it and i hope it's one you haven't had before um right so if you guys were stuck on a on a deserted island with the worst tenant you've ever had <laughs> and you could only have one item with you what would that item be a sledgehammer <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's a good question. Oh, this is a good question, Sarah. You were right. Oh, and you know what? No one's ever asked that before. No. Yes. Surprising. <laughs> yeah. The Desert Island question, I think, is a, is a good question. But Desert Island with your worst tenant. Um, well, I, th- I think I'll, I need something to defend myself from our worst. Are we talking specifically? Um, <laughs> specifically, fest, hypothetically, you, whatever you feel. <laughs> One of our worst tenants had a, had a, a massive array of like quite large knives. Oh. I think um, some of you might have, if you listen to earlier episodes, would have heard about uh, this tenant in the Midlands. Um, Cause a bit of a bit of a ruckus, but uh, yeah, probably a stab vest, <laughs> <laughs> or, or as as Jay says, a sledgehammer to preempt. <laughs> <laughs> Be ready. <Yeah. laughs> In readiness. Um, I, I think I would have to have. Like um, an endless supply of wine. <laughs> the, the, the tap, the, the tap of wine. Right, yeah. yeah that's, if you're going to be stuck on a desert island with someone that you don't like or that someone that's a complete ass, then I want to be drunk. I don't, I don't want to have to be coherent. <laughs> you know, there's nothing, nothing that wine can't solve. Exactly, right? Exactly. You just get, you, get yourselves both drunk and then um, have, have your... Uh, is wine strong enough though? Do you need like more like gin or vodka? Do you think? Oh. Well, hang on, wait. You're on a desert island, so it's got to be rum, right? Yeah, like it's, true. It's got to be tropical rum. There'll be coconuts, so yeah, you know. true. You can. Yeah. Well, you can have rum on your own island. I'm having wine on mine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, do you know what I think I'd do? I'd have. So my worst tenant was this woman who just lied continuously about why she couldn't pay rent and we ended up having to evict her. She was awful. Like she'd say like, oh, I sent my mum to the letting agent with the cash to actually pay for the, the, to pay for the late rent. But then she got hit by a bus and the cash just like went down the drain. And like, it, this, this literally, like there was just stories. And then it was like, oh, you know, I've got cancer. Then my husband's got cancer. It just went on and on and on and on and on. So I think if I was on an island with her, 
I'd have a lie detector test. Yes, I would just continuously <laughs> make her tell the truth. I'd just be like, come on. <laughs> and, I mean, that's that might awesome. get boring after that. a while. I'd, a I'd be drinking a, as well. A confessional. A confessional. Like, hey, just, bring yeah. a priest. Bring a priest. <laughs> 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 actually well that, that's the thing if you can bring can you bring someone yes that's true yeah sure why not okay fine yeah maybe a priest or a buddhist or something to you know heal them you know yeah yeah, yeah. joe would just bring jason momoa oh my god i'd bring jason momoa just he could be a priest enough, couldn't he and to be fair to he would force them to tell the truth because he can throw yeah. tomahawks so he's yeah. like literally if you're gonna lie i'm just gonna throw a tomahawk yeah. So we've got a combination of wine, sledgehammer, tomahawks, and big burly men. Big men with beards and tomahawks. Awesome. Oh he can swim uh, as well, can't he? Yes. Could be a good that could be Aquaman. a good lady. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Perfect example. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, Jason Momoa just ticks all the boxes. This was a, that was a great suggestion. How he comes up so many times, doesn't he, on this podcast? It's almost like yeah. you've got an obsession with him or something, Joe. <laughs> I- yeah. <laughs> yes, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he, surely he's in property. Come on, Hollywood. Surely lady, we just uh, need to tag him in in your socials, Joe. Fine, he'll be fine. Yeah. He'd totally be up for property jam. I know he would. Yeah. yeah. Should we have a word? We can all try and just you know we'll spam him. Yeah. Just yeah. <laughs> at all from all areas. Come on. He pronged attack. We'll just yeah. like get him on. Like. I've never had a restraining order before. I wonder what that's going to be like. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want a desert island with some wine? So it's okay. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I think it's probably about time to head to some episode roulette. Oh, let's do it. So let's do it. I'm not aware of what episode roulette is. It's where we scroll through our previous episodes of Property Jam um, while the, the guys uh, will say stop. So if we maybe take it in turns, we'll maybe do two or three. Um, so we'll go with Rob first. So Rob, you say stop. Um, and then whatever Joe says, um, uh, you have to do. No, sorry, you have to um, give your take on. Whatever say, Joe says, you have to do. Yeah, <laughs> it's like a game of Simon Says. Basically, yeah. that's how this podcast works. Right, okay. <laughs> okay. So, um, right, I'm going to start scrolling now. So, say stop whenever you're ready, Rob. Stop. Okay. <laughs> Episode ten, money. Money. Yeah. Money, money, it's a good, money. Uh, good topic for property. Mm. Um, so my take on money. Well, I, I think our take on money, okay, that is a really good It's topic. so broad, isn't it? Like it's hard. Yeah, okay. So I think this is a good one. So with, with our HMO, often people will look at what we do in HMOs and say they're spending too much money because you know our properties look great they must be spending all this crazy money the deals must not be stacking up correctly it's not the case i think with you can obviously take the approach of i'm going to spend as little as possible on my on my projects to try and extract the maximum amount as i as i can on the back end with hmos particularly it's a competitive market. I mean, you guys are in it. You must find this. It's harder and harder and harder to get those tenants, particularly on the, on the professional side, in, in and renting your properties for extended periods of time because everyone's doing HMOs now. So I think that approach of uh, you know, spending as little as possible on the refurb 
is actually a bit of a false economy because if you end up with voids for long parts of the year, if you'd have spent that a little bit more on the refurb, actually, you you probably would have done better when you actually analyse that deal. 100%. There are other there, there are loads of other reasons I think to invest a little bit more in design and making sure your project looks great. Um, from a marketing point of view, we've got an incredible amount of content that we're able to put out on on social media that has built a huge brand um, that in turn has attracted people to our business. Um, I, you know, honestly, we probably have more investors that we say we probably can't work with you than ones that we do that have all come through you know, the, the marketing side of our, our, our social media. And that's predominantly been because people see what we do. They want to be involved in, in a company that you know, are developing things that, that look great. And there's a financial cost to that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think that's, that's my take on money. Oh, and the other, thing I, the other thing I'd also say, which is completely separate, is I hate this term, no money down. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I don't know what you guys think of this, but I know it's like a thing it's quite sort of talked about in the, in the training world, but I, it's, that property is not no money down. And then, there's two and that, things, isn't there? It's like there's no money down and then there's passive income. And I think both of those terms are quite problematic, yeah. aren't they? Because, <laughs> you know, it's not actually true. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> There's, there's a saying that um, one of my coaches says um, that the people that want are constantly striving for passive income never get it. Yeah. And the people that actually end up having passive income are those that work really hard. That's right. And so, so actually you get the choice, but you still work yeah. hard to get it. Um, and it's, it's not the goal. Passive income is never the goal. So if you make passive income the goal, it's going to elude you for the rest of your life. So um, I very much agree with you there. And also when you say it's kind of you have to spend money uh, to make money. Um, but, um, but just to um, caveat that, I did do a no money down deal. <laughs> <laughs> I literally put no money down. Um, but then, I, I would say that one in a thousand rather than every single deal. Was that, that presumably wasn't your first deal? It, no, it wasn't. No. And I think that's, that's where the danger is in this term is it's, it's it's put out there to people that have never been have never yeah. done property before have got no property experience and that it's kind of sold to them as properties this all you've got to do is x y and z yeah and oh definitely you don't need any money but if you pay me 10 grand you'll you'll learn all the tricks of the trade to do it mm. so uh yeah it's um yeah, something which I, I don't think is... You know. I think that's where honesty has to come in. I, I do think that the education arena, apart from the charlatans out there, we all know who they are, we don't need to say their names, but, um, you know, I think education is shifting. I mean, we're all in property education, and we the message I give again and again to students is, like, this is not easy this is not get rich quick this is hard bloody work and you know you have to put the blood sweat and tears in and raising finance and learning that as a skill is is hard you know and you know it's it takes time and this is not you know just figuring out your your plan and where you're going to be operating and what that's going to look and feel like maybe if you're still working full time like get a clue this is not going to be easy so it's as much about what you bring to it as an individual as opposed to telling them that it's just like, oh, here's the tools, you know, and it's really easy and you'll just make loads of money and be a millionaire and it's fine. You know, it just, yeah. it just doesn't, it doesn't stack because none of us have had that experience. Not one of us. We've all had to work damn hard to get where we are. Oh, definitely. 
Yeah. I think, you know, if you go into it thinking this is going to be easy because you were sold the dream by the trainer, it's, you know, that, that from the trainer is irresponsible yeah. and un- unethical, to be honest with you, because you're asking people to hand over their money and they're expecting to a, either for you to do it or for it to be easy. Yeah. And it's yeah. going handing over the money is just going to be like, you're going to, they're going to have the life of their dreams without any hard work. Yes. And mm-hmm. I mean, Rob and I, property is by far the def like the hardest we have both worked in any career that we've had um yes we're doing it for ourselves so we want to work hard to create the future that we want but property as an industry as a career is hard graft you know it is it's a we said it before you know it's, it's a people business it's based on relationships and you know you've got so many moving parts so many moving people that it's so hard to to just manage all the people and all the relationships and then actually get the property done. Totally. Keeps um, you up at night. Yeah. <laughs> it really does. Keeps yeah. you up at night. It's the only thing. I remember, you know, if you're mid-project and you've got like, you know, a gazillion things going wrong, um, you know, there's probably, you're managing messages on the investor side, you're managing a team, you're at a distance, you know, you're, it's just, you know, oh my God, it's like, it's, it is exhausting. I mean, it's worth it. It's so worth it when the project's done, but whilst you're in it you've got to be you've got to be one thing i've learned from poverty if we're going off topic a little bit but it's just the resilience that you need to have Mm. you need to be so resilient to those issues because if you have a meltdown every time there's a problem you're going to struggle so you've got to get to a point where you've got to accept that you are going to have problems along the way and that's part of you growing that's part of you improving because every time you have an issue like some of the things that we have learned on just on this project that have just have just gone have been massively valuable but they all came from issues mm-hmm. they came from problems. they didn't come from things that went really well now those things just sail through don't you but it's when you have a challenge that you have or an issue you have to solve that's when you, yeah. you learn from it and you and you grow but you have to be you have to look at those problems in that way rather than seeing every issue as like oh my god I can't do this anymore. So you learn yeah. that very quickly, don't you? Yeah. yeah you but then I think that again is the people you see the people that get into property, they do one deal and then they never do it again. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes. Because, because, because they've seen, they've seen how hard it is. Um, and or the other thing that I see quite a bit is, well, this happens actually quite a bit for us is we'll get people that will get in touch with us. They're wanting to be investors. And they've said, like, I've given this a go and to be honest with you, it's too hard. I'd rather you do it. So, you know, that's that's the other that's the other approach to it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <coughs> okay, okay, so we've got time for we've got one um time for a speed round. So speed um, round. Speed round. So over to Sarah. Um when, just say stop whenever you're ready. I'm scrolling. Stop. <laughs> It's my favourite. Oh, licensing. <laughs> yes, not licensing. Oh my god, the yawn fest of licensing. No, um, tenant stories. Oh, tenant stories. We've got a good one. Um, I'll try and make it speedy, but it's quite a lengthy story. So we I'm so we had um, we had a tenant. So we had a new HMO. It was a four bed HMO. And we had two tenants move in: a guy and a girl. The girl was like the dream tenant. You know, she offered off the bat to pay uh, three months rent up front. 
um, just because didn't, she it didn't have to. a problem with credit or anything. She just didn't have, yeah, I didn't have a problem with credit. Just was like, I've got the money. I'm happy to pay rent up front. So we're like, okay, great. She had a great job. Um, really nice girl. We met her, our ideal tenant. Anyway, she moved in and then we had the guy move in and our letting agent had met him and vetted him and, and moved him in. Um, anyway, it turns out that after... We, we were actually in Australia and um, there were two vacant rooms in the house and, and we were checking up with our letting agent to see how viewings were going and leads and things like that. And the, these other tenants have been living in there probably a couple of weeks at this stage. And um, he said, oh, yeah, you know, things are going well, but I've, I didn't want to bother you because I know you're on uh, in Australia on holiday. But um, we've had um, a bit of an issue Um between the two tenants and we said okay what is it and he said well um the police are involved and um basically the the female tenant came out to basically came outside to get her car to drive to work one day and the car was missing and she's like I swear to god I parked my car outside the house where's my car I can't find my car she went back inside looked for her keys turned the house upside down and she's like, okay, I'm just going to have to go back outside. Maybe I was really tired when I parked it last night and it's parked around the block. You know, she goes outside again and then she sees her car coming down the street and she sees the tenant in her car driving her car down the street. <laughs> he basically parks up the car on the other side of the road, leaves the car going, gets out, runs around the block, like just runs away from her. And she's like, what is he doing? Anyway, turns out he went out, he went into her room stole her keys, took her car out. Then when he came back to the house and she said, well, why didn't you just ask me? What, like, why did you need to go out? And he said, oh, well, I was really sick and I needed to go to the doctors. So I had to borrow your car. And um, anyway, so poor girl, she reported it to the police, obviously wanted to move out, had only been there two weeks, had paid three months rent. She was the perfect tenant. This turns out this poor tenant, the one that stole the car, had since moved in, lost his job, had some mental health issues and was basically a pathological liar like your tenant joe um and so yeah it was very tricky in terms of us having to get him out because he just moved in um but yeah that was as that was the uh, sort of most extreme experience tenant experience that we probably had oh wow. my god matt didn't you have yeah we had exactly Someone the same thing. car as well Did you? i'm sure that's happened to you yeah. The, guy with the, the guy with the knives. The guy with the knives, yes. <laughs> wow. Yeah, he stole, he stole the keys from, from uh, one of the other rooms. Oh, was it one of you and Nile's projects together? Is it both? Yeah. Of, oh, my yeah. God. The only, the only reason the tenant found out that their car had been taken was literally just because he'd parked it in another spot. Oh. So, so I, when we had this tenant that we were stuck with, obviously we were then trying to figure out what we were going to do to get him out. And... Yeah, there's a different, you know, the Section 8 that was at the time, Section 21 route, and just thought this could go on forever. We'd only just finished the property. We just we were looking at maybe not putting, ha- having any tenants in there. The letting agent was still like, oh, don't worry, we'll, we can just keep marketing the other rooms. And we were like, no, we can't put other people un- into that situation where potentially they're going to have the same experience. We don't use that letting agent anymore. Um, you're welcome but, to move in, guys. Just keep your keep everything under lock and key. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're just going to double lock every single door. Anyway, um, so in the end, we managed to get him out. We had some 
a, a small issue with the waste trap in the kitchen and there were some funny smells coming in the kitchen. And basically we made up this story that there was this huge problem with the sewage and we were going to have to rip out the whole kitchen and the property was going to become completely uninhabitable. And in the end, he, um, he agreed to, because he wasn't paying any rent, he was refusing to leave at that point. We still had to pay to get him out. I think we contributed towards a deposit on his next place. But, um, yeah, that was the, the approach that we took to get him out and it avoided us having to go down the courtroom and it was a lot quicker. So, uh, wow. <laughs> I think he still owes us however many thousand some pounds worth of rent, but it's one of those things where we just we haven't really gone down the road of trying to reclaim that. Well, this is it. We we uh, we have had a very similar situation with the, with the guy who had the knives and stole the car. I think it was just a matter of getting him out of the house because you know everyone else in the property was affected by it, and it's it's not yeah. just them. So everybody else had pretty much moved out. So. You know, and trying to recover from that situation takes time because if you have to refill the house and yeah, I think sometimes the money is just, just walk away from it. <laughs> yeah, it's easier. <clears throat> Indeed. Uh, yeah, I think, yeah, there's definitely a, a time to choose your battles wisely uh, mm. because the, the, the future money coming in just trumps a lot of the, um, the issues that, that were in the past but um, unfortunately that's all we've got time for now um, so uh, I'm going to wrap us up um, Jo has uh, left us because she had a power cut so her internet has cut out so I'm gonna we're gonna say goodbye on behalf of Jo um, <laughs> those builders have really taken your, uh, your request seriously by cutting your power off it's it's really have, have, right? quiet. yeah <laughs> uh, so I'm gonna say that's a goodbye from me it's a goodbye from me. Goodbye from us. Bye. Come and jam with us on social media where you can hear more and see more. On Facebook, search Property Jam Podcast. Or you can follow us on Instagram at Property Jam Podcast. Or you can email us at propertyjampodcast at outlook.com. See, see you on the next, next episode. episode.